Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, we're going to get started, so if you can hear me out in the hub, you can come on in. As you come in, you might notice that there's no instruments on the stage or anything like that. We're going to give the worship teams a little break this morning. They work so, so hard, and so that's part of the reason why we're doing this. We also wanted to try something out to completely cut out all, of, all distractions so that we can just be in the presence of God. The words are still going to be on the screen. Um, so we want you to just enter into worship. We want you to worship how you want. Uh, the words are going to be on the screen. And we're going to play music. Um, and you can just enter in and stand and sing and worship how you normally do. But before we do that, I want to pray for us as you're all coming in. Um, and then we will we'll get going. God, I just thank you for uh, this world, God. I thank you that you have created us. I thank you that you are a God that makes all things new. We thank you for Jesus. We want to make the name of Jesus great as we begin to lift up your name as king this morning. God, we, we want to remember that you are our king. And we, we want to make the name of Jesus great as we go out and we occupy our streets. So, Father, as we worship you today, as we sing as we hear from your word, I just pray um, that it would be sweet to you, that it would be honoring to you, that you would look at our hearts, God, um, and, and I pray for every soul in the room that is covered by the blood of Jesus, and I pray that if there is anyone who doesn't know Jesus today, would be the day um, that they come to him for salvation. We love you, God, as we begin to worship you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you all go ahead and stand up, and let's just sing together. thankful that you're here this morning. If you're new, um, we're not more thankful for you. We're just very thankful that you are here. Um, and we're about to take our offering very soon. So when we do, um, if you are new, you don't have to feel obligated to give to that. But there is a card under the seat in front of you that we would love for you to fill out and put in the offering as it comes around so that we can reach out to you and get to know you a little more. A few things I want to mention is you've seen some of the booths already as you've walked in this morning. We are having our ministry fair right after this service. And so we, we, do, we really do believe that one of the parts of, um, and I'm going to use this word in the message this morning just so you can hear it first, is sanctification. My favorite word, um, my favorite theological word, it essentially just means the process in which we become more like Jesus. And we do believe that one of the things that helps us become more like Jesus and um, go further in our Christian walk is to serve, is to use the gifts that through the Holy Spirit God has given you to use. And then as you use those things, you learn stuff about yourself, you learn stuff about other people, and you are serving other people, and God grows you through that. So there are plenty of ways that you can serve here at Creekside, um, but we want you to know them. So after this, stay for some food. We're feeding you, so the excuses are gone, because um, right after church, everybody's excuse is food, so we're taking care of that. Um, so stay and uh, come around to all the booths, and you can sign up for things um, that you think. And here's the thing about, if you don't know, you're probably thinking, well, I don't know how God has gifted me. One of the things that you do first is to pray and ask God has he, if, how he has gifted you. Second thing is to ask the people that know you best. And then the third thing is just to start trying stuff. Right? Just start trying stuff because you'll know if, you're, if you try something, if you're not passionate about it, or um, if you're bad at it, then you might not want to do that thing. Um, but God has given you something that you will be passionate about and that he has gifted you to be very good at. And so we want you to uh, figure that out. Next thing is um, we want to be praying for Tom Keller and Bob Vaughn. I don't know if they're back yet, but last week they went to uh, Haiti. So we want to be praying for them um, and that trip, and we're excited to hear how that went. Uh, when they get back. And the third thing is that um, Jim Kern had surgery on his neck this week, and he is, Raleigh went to see him this morning. He's doing great. Um, he's himself, so don't let that fool you, but he, he is doing great, um, and he's going to get out this afternoon, so you don't have to go see him in the hospital, but I'm sure he'll take food and stuff like that at his house. Um, so, and again, let me pray for us as we continue worshiping together. The offering is going to come around. Um, as we continue to lift up our king. But let's pray. God, we, uh, 
we love you and we desperately need you. And um, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, in his blood that covers us against any lies that anybody in this room is believing. God, that as we continue to worship, we would understand that all truth is from you and that every good and every perfect gift comes from above. And so, God, I pray in your presence now that we would seek those things and that we would fight Satan's lies in our lives with the truth of God. Um, we're thankful that you meet us here where we are at. Uh, but, God, in your presence, I pray that you would change us. We love you and we need you and we lift your name on high in Jesus' name. God, we, we want to shout your name with every breath that we take. God, we trust that you'll give us the next one. And Father, we, uh, we are desperate for the name of Jesus. God, we want to make the name of Jesus great. God, we want every person in this room, we want every person in our lives to be able to claim the power of the blood of Jesus over their lives. Father, that you take our sins and you remove them as far as the east is from the west. And that we are heaven bound. God, and that we can live in freedom from being stuck in the sins that hold us to the darkness, God. But we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so again, Father, as we dig into your word, I just pray that we would... Um, with your truth, fight the lies that Satan is feeding us even right now. And God, as we've worshipped you, that you would go before us and that you would fight for us. We know that you are fighting for our hearts. You're fighting for our souls. And we trust that, God. We know that you are good. And we know that you have won the ultimate victory. Father, so we praise you for that. We praise Jesus that through his death, the victory was won. God, we, we are thankful for that. And we stand firm and we stand strong in the blood in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Hey, if you didn't know, uh, there was an election this week. Um, and it's good because today we're talking about taming the tongue. Right? So that's, those are good things. Um, but I can tell you this, that I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. Um, and I don't usually say political things. This is not something political. I'm not going to say anything political. Um, but I'll tell you this. Approximately half of the people that voted in this country right now are happy. And they're taking a big deep breath. The other half is angry and scared and upset that their world is falling apart. Right? And so what do we do with that? Like, I don't know who you voted for, but I do know that there are going to be people that we run into every day who are afraid, who are hurting, who are terrified for their country. I can tell you this, Donald Trump is not our savior. Yeah, you can clap for that. Hillary Clinton is not our savior. Right? Our job does not change. Your job today, right now, is no different than it was on Monday before you cast your vote. Nothing has changed. Because the only person that can save anyone's soul and your neighbor's as you occupy your street, need Jesus just as much today as they did on Monday. Jesus is our only king, and Jesus is our only savior. No political system will ever save anyone, right? So, as we seek to occupy our streets, I get a little concerned when I see too much celebration that Donald Trump won. I also get concerned when I look at Facebook, right? So I have to not look at Facebook anymore because it scares me. 
because people need Jesus. We don't need a president to save anyone. So as you, as you talk to people this week, as you talk to people in the weeks to come, and you are still seeking to occupy your street with the love of Jesus, right? Here's one big thing that concerns me, is that 81% of evangelical Christians voted for Donald Trump. That doesn't concern me. But what concerns me is that now that 81% is going to sit back, take a big deep breath, and think everything's going to be okay. It's not. It's not okay. Because Satan is the prince of the power of the air right now, and he will be until Jesus defeats him and locks him in the pit of hell forever, right? So Satan reigns right now on earth, and the only thing that is going to save people is the blood of Jesus. Do we believe that? Yeah. So now is not the time to sit back and relax. Now is the time to stand firm. Now is the time to love people like you've never loved them before. And then when they're confused as to why you're loving them, because you think differently politically, you say it's because of Jesus. It's because Jesus loved me when I thought differently from him. It's because Jesus loved me when I was his enemy. It's because Jesus laid down his life joyfully for me. And guess what? He is your only hope. That's the truth of what we face when we leave this building. That's the truth of what we face when we wake up tomorrow morning. And it is the truth of what we face until we die. So if you agree with that, then we've got to occupy our streets like never, ever, ever before. Because I guarantee you, nothing in this country will ever change until Christians decide to stand up and stand firm. That's why you are the salt of the earth Salt is a preservative. We are not preserving the way that this country was founded. We are preserving the kingdom of God on earth. Amen? So let's do that tomorrow morning when we wake up and when we leave this building today. So anyway, our, our uh, series, we're in the series Mail from James, and we're going to continue in that. So turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. We're going to do the whole thing today. James chapter 3. Again, it's right after Hebrews, right before Peter, page 1,320 in my Bible. It's going to be on the screen as well. Let's go ahead and read all of James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I'm out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> for, we will, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey, we, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things." How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can, neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish, amb selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. 
This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the title this morning is The Untamed Tongue. Right from the beginning, here's the main thing that I want you to know. If you forget everything else, here's what I want you to remember. So if you're writing anything down, write this down, text it to yourself, get ready to lock this in the vault. But here's what I want you to remember. Our words start in our hearts. Our words, what flies out of our mouth, starts in our hearts. So James chapter 3, first this passage shows us the danger and the power of a loose tongue. And then, number two, it gives us a solution because we absolutely need a solution. So, the danger and the power of a loose tongue. You know that phrase, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's not true. That's just not true. There is not a person in my life that I can name right now that words don't hurt. There are people in my life who might try to show that words don't hurt. But a phrase like that, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me, that's just, uh, that's just uh, a, a way for us to cope with hurting words. The fact is that words hurt, right? I want you to turn the person next to you and tell them right now, say, your words have power. Turn the person next to you and say, your words have power. Dude, that was a little weak. That was all right. That was okay. It wasn't powerful, but it was okay. It was good. Let's, let's go back and look at uh, verses 1 to 5 again. Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. And then it goes on to talk about the fact that we can put bits in the, in the, mouth, in the mouth of a horse and steer the whole body. And a small rudder steers a large ship. People in James' audience, right, and this happens today too, but they were wanting to be teachers of God's word publicly for all the wrong reasons because they thought that being teachers of the word publicly would give prestige, position, and power. But here's the thing. James is saying, don't be so fast to desire that. We talked about this a few weeks ago, um, that the proof is in the pudding, right? Because this is what an un unbelieving world finds so unbelievable, unbelievable is that when people speak, especially church people, is that when we speak from our mouths and then our lives do not match up with what we say, you lost them, right? But let me tell you something, right? And this is absolutely, this is scary for me to be preaching, right? Because when I stand in front of you, and I have to think about this every single Sunday morning when I wake up, the first lie that I'm told by Satan is you're not capable of doing this. And so I just agree with him. Right? Sometimes he is, he's lying to me and saying, you're not capable of doing what God has called you to do. Right? Which, in the reality of who I am, that's not true. Because God has empowered me to do it. And Satan doesn't want, to want me to believe that God has empowered me to do it. But he wants me to doubt myself. But the truth of the matter is, all i got to do is agree with him. Because I am not I, I, I can't do anything with the word of God on my own, right? And so, but me, empowered by the spirit of God, can get up and preach his word. Because guess what? You living this out has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with your yielding to the spirit of God. But when I preach it, I better leave here and my life better match up with what I say or I should not expect a single person in this room to believe anything that I say, right? So don't be so eager, James is saying. Don't be so eager for that prestige and that power 
Because it's actually quite the opposite. You are held to a higher standard, right? But you need to take this personal too, that as you preach the word of God to people on your street, you are held to that standard. You are held to a higher standard. That's the truth for everyone, right? And here's the deal. A person's words, what, come, what comes out of your mouth, reflects your character, right? It reflects what is going on in your heart. For some people, there's a thicker filter from here to here, right? There's a thicker filter. Everybody can think of somebody that doesn't have much of a filter and words just go, and they come out on you, and, and sometimes they come out as soft, fluffy pillows, and sometimes they come out as knives, right? But what we need to seek to do, and the solution to this, is that we need to seek to create a filter from here to here. That's what God wants us to do, is to seek through us becoming more like Jesus as we seek God through his word, that we create that filter that goes between our heart and our mouth, right? And there needs to be something between our head, too, because Our brains do some weird things to us. But your words start in your heart. And the problem is, here it is, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. In other words, controlling your tongue and learning how to speak words that give life instead of speak words that hurt is part of becoming more like Jesus, but it is is impossible, right? It is impossible to control your tongue. So we need help. We need help, all right? You gotta think about yourself right now. Everybody say out loud, I am not strong enough. Say it again, I'm not strong enough. Say this, God is strong. God is strong. Because I'm not strong enough, it is impossible for me to not say stupid, hurtful, sinful, natural things. I need help. There has to be a solution. One of the most powerful tools that God has given us is our words. Why? Because he created us to be relational people. Right? And so your words really do have life-giving power. They have death-giving power. Right? Your tongue is the most absolute, one of the most absolutely powerful tools that you have. This is why at an early age, kids learn to use their words to hurt their parents. I can tell you this. If you're, if you're a parent in the room, you have been hurt in ways that still hurt. You've forgiven your kids for them, but I remember what my kids said to me last week, right? I remember, I remember, I'm not going to tell you what, what the, this person said or which kid it was, but one of my kids was angry with me, right? And uh, because I disciplined them and some words that they probably learned at school came out of their mouth toward me and, and inside, right, if I, had, if I didn't have a filter here, that boy would be, well, now you know it's a boy, but that boy, <laughs> that boy would be, he would have, he would, there would be a hurting, right? There would be a hurting. But I had to, in that moment, just <clears throat> close my eyes. Heather was not there. And even when I told Heather about it, she was like, oh, snap, what'd you do? Like, you, he, better, that, he better be grounded for like a month for saying that. Right, And so I had to, in that moment, just like close my eyes, and I, I turned and chuckled. Like I closed my eyes, and I turned, and I just chuckled, because it was so unbelievable what he just said to me. I was like, okay, Lord, like I just have no idea what to do in this moment, um, because if he ever says that in public, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I'd walk away or if I would not claim him. I don't know what I would do, right? I would say, he's hers. That's, he's hers. Hers. <laughs> but 
It was such like that. But the point is that early on, they learn the power of their words. And I'm convinced that in the moment that they are most angry, they think in their mind, what is the thing I could say right now that would hurt mom or dad the most, right? But the problem is we all do that. When we're angry with somebody, when we feel a certain frustration with somebody, we start to think and we start to say in our minds the worst possible thing that we would in a conversation, like we have, I do this, I have the conversation in my head before it happens, and I think of things that I would like to in my natural self say to that person that would make them feel absolutely stupid, horrible, hurt, all of the above. I mean, this is terrible, right? But we do that because it is innate in us. It is our natural self to be hurtful with one of the most powerful tools that God has ever given us, right? And so we hurt people with our tongue, right? That's why right now Facebook is set on fire, right? Because people want to use their words to hurt. People want to use their words to express. People want to use their words to fight, right? We don't necessarily do it face to face, but we want people to hear what is in our hearts because somehow it makes us feel better, Right? I remember when, uh, I remember two times when I wrote Heather over the summer, right? And one of them was before we were dating while I was still chasing her and she wanted nothing to do with me. And the next summer was when we were dating, right? And so the summer when we weren't quite dating yet, quite dating yet because I won her very quickly after the summer. I just wore her down. I heard somebody say this week that you wore her down, you didn't win her over. So that's exactly what happened. Like, I just would not leave her alone and she finally gave in. But that, that summer, I emailed her like every single day, right? Don't, just, this, this is the true version of this story. So you don't have to ask her about it later. <laughs> I, would, I emailed her every single day. And admittedly, some of those emails would be, this is the part that she embellishes, but I'll tell it because I can't remember if it's true or not. And so um, I would say things like, hey, Heather, I got up, um, I ate, I went to work, and it was a great day. Expecting some sort of like response. And she responded like once, twice maybe that summer, and it crushed me. It just crushed me. But um, the next summer, right, I, so in that, that summer I used email, and somehow um, different forms of communication have more power, right? The closer you can get to actually saying the words with your lips, they have more power. So email is like the bottom of the list, right? If you really want to communicate something to somebody, email is the worst way to do it. And then um, the next summer when we were actually dating, I decided I'm going to go up from email because I, this needs to be a little more powerful. So I wrote every single day. And she actually responded every day, I'm pretty sure. Um, every single day we wrote back and forth handwritten letters, right? And to me being um, just infatuated, on my way to in love, um, I, it meant so much more, right? Because the closer that you get to actually saying the words out of your mouth, the more power it holds. So think of that in a positive and a negative way. Every word that comes out of your mouth has power. You get that? Every single word that comes out of your mouth has power. Let's go to verse 5, verse 5 through 7. Also, taming the tongue is a small member of your body, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed by man, but no human being can tame the tongue. Right? No human being can tame the tongue. Here's the progression that unchecked words take. It says that a small member, the tongue is a small member of your body, but it makes great 
boast, saying things unchecked in our natural, worldly, allowing sinful thoughts to come out as words. These are great boasts, right? And from verse 10, from the same tongue come cursing and blessing. Verse 14, bitterness and selfish ambition. These things start a small fire, but when they go unchecked, if a small fire, even if a small spark is not put out, it can set a whole forest on fire. It can set your entire being on fire, and then you go down a path that is exactly the path that Satan wants you to be on. Your words hold so much power. So far, we've talked about how much your words hold power over other people. As soon as they come out of your mouth, you can't take them back, right? They have been heard, and they will affect whoever you say them to in whatever way you say them, right? But the truth of the matter also is that when you speak words out of your mouth, what is happening inside your head, it's almost like the words that you speak become who you are becoming. It sets the whole course of your life. It changes you as a person. I remember when Heather and I were having a a struggle In life and in ministry and with kids and just everything in life about five years ago. We've told you the story umpteen times. But the thing that we did the most was complain. Because it felt good to hear the words come out of your mouth. It wasn't enough just to feel what I felt. I had to say these things. And then what happened was the more I said them, the better I felt for a moment. But it did not last And that's what I became. If you could have asked me one, if I look back at my life now and you ask me one word that described my life during that hard time in my life, I was a complainer. Why? Because I became exactly what I did. The more and more you speak words that are of your natural self, not your saved self covered in the blood of Jesus, the more you speak natural, sinful, worldly words, that is how you will start to live your life. So words not only have power over the people that hear them, they have power to steer you right, left, straight. You think in your head that you're okay, but you ask the people around you, how is so-and-so doing? Ask the people who are listening to your words. Because they'll tell you if you're okay or not. Your words will direct your entire life. Verse 8. It again presents our need for help in taming our tongue. It says no human being can tame the tongue. And then verse 9 through 12 addresses the hypocrisy of an unchecked tongue. It says this. With it... We bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Oh my goodness. Every single person in this room, including myself, especially if if you've been a church attender for any significant amount of time, what do we do? We come to church and we worship. We're singing and, and we could even be singing with a good heart and we're, we've, we've, we're, we're in the presence of God and we're just worshiping and we're lifting up the name of Jesus and we actually really believe the words that we're saying and we're focused on those words, right? And we do that and we're here and it's all good. And then the moment we walk out of this building, the person in church that frustrated me the most, right? I mean, yeah, I like that. Yes. And honestly, with me, right, all cards on the table, it is hard not to do, right? It's hard not to do. It's hard to come to church because you're rubbing shoulders with people. 
And not every person in this room is going to be somebody that you get along with. Not every person in this room is going to make you happy. Sometimes you're going to leave this building and you're going to be frustrated with somebody. You're going to be ticked with somebody and you're just going to want to say something mean about that person. You can tell this is personal, right? But honestly, sometimes I leave and I, even if I had a great Sunday, Heather and I always drive separately. So wherever we're going to lunch, right, we always get on the phone and it's like, how was your Sunday? How was your Sunday? Right? And inevitably, something about whoever frustrated us at church is the first thing that comes out of our, our mouths. Right? Because sometimes it just feels good to say it. It doesn't mean it's right. And it doesn't mean it's helpful. Because I can tell you from experience, you start down that road, it's hard to recover from. We already know it's impossible to tame your tongue without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. But you start down that road, it is really hard to recover from. Just a little complaint, a little frustration, right? It doesn't mean you're not allowed to be frustrated. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel some frustration and some angst toward a person. The question is, what are you going to do with it right so we worship God and with the same tongue moments after we leave the building we start cursing people that are created in the image of God with that same mouth and he's saying that should not be that should not happen 2nd Corinthians 10 5 says we take every thought every thought captive making it obedient to Christ. So what do we do? Because it's hard not to let what is in here, or what is in here, either direction, it either comes from here to here, or goes from wherever it goes. It is hard not to say what you are feeling, because somehow you think that you're going to feel better after you say it. It's really hard to do. But what do we do? We take every thought captive. What does that mean? Before it comes out of our mouth, we actually need to think about what we're thinking about. We need to say, no, no, no. Stop it from coming out your mouth before you've brought it before God and confessed your feeling, right? God, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm so mad right now at so-and-so. I'm frustrated with this person. I'm frustrated with my kid. I'm frustrated with this person, this person. Whatever it is, whatever you're feeling, for a moment, just pray. Just say, God, I need you to stop this from coming out of my mouth. But God, I confess it to you. That's kind of what I think part of taking thoughts captive is, Right? You keep it from coming out where it's going to hurt. It's not only going to hurt the people you're talking to. It's going to hurt your own, the direction of your own daily life and the direction of your life in general, right? And you take it captive and make it obedience, obedient to Jesus, acknowledging that is not who I am covered by the blood of Jesus. Who I have been made is not the person that says what I'm thinking right now. Right? I'm not telling you not to think those thoughts. I am telling you the more you say those thoughts, the more you're going to think those thoughts. The more you hold those thoughts in, take them captive, make them obedient to who Jesus has made you to be, the more like Jesus you will become and the easier it will become to stop stupid stuff from coming out your mouth. You hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm preaching this to myself. This is the reason why I'm kind of just talking, because I'm preaching this to myself, because this is convicting to me, right? If you're a freshwater, you'll be freshwater. If you're a fig tree, you should produce figs. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be seeking to tame your tongue by going to God. If no human being can tame the tongue, then what in the world do we do? Here, remember this. Remember this, your words start in your heart. So what actually needs to change? How are your words going to change? 
You're not just going to stop them and all of a sudden you're going to start thinking different things or start changing the way you speak. Where does the change need to happen? In your heart. The change needs to happen in your heart. And I'm not talking just about coming to Jesus for salvation. I'm talking to, to, about working out your own salvation. The moment you des- decide to make Jesus the Lord of your life and confess your sins to him and ask him to save you, that is a decision in a moment that then needs to be lived out every day. So guess what? Every day living in salvation is a choice, right? Every single day living in salvation is a choice to say, God, change me today. It is allowing the Spirit of God to change you rather than just trying to be, right? Allow the Spirit of God to change you on a regular basis. So, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about that and be false to the truth. That's not wisdom that comes from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the first thing you do is you seek wisdom from above. You ask for it. You ask for it. You ask for it. Trust me, I look around the room and I know that some people struggle with this more than others. Right? You ask for wisdom from God. The meekness of wisdom. You be humble enough to ask for help. That's real wisdom. Okay, I used to think when I was younger that wisdom was experiencing knowledge, right? That you're living out the knowledge that you have. Now, the older I get, I'm only 32, but the older I get, I realize that's not wisdom. I'm starting to understand that wisdom is more like this. The older I get, the more I realize how little I know. That's wisdom. Because if you can say that, then you're going to be meek enough, you're going to be humble enough to ask for help. Because you're not strong enough to control your tongue, right? You realize you can't do it on your own apart from the help of Almighty God. And so you ask for help. And we know from chapter 1 that whoever asks for wisdom in living out the Christian life from God without doubting, actually believing that he is powerful enough, can answer us and that he will, then he will. Because what you are asking him is in line with his will. Because his overarching will for every believer is that you become more like Jesus. And so if you, without doubting, ask God for help, for wisdom in becoming more like Jesus, he will help you. That is a promise, right? And he proved it by giving us the Holy Spirit. See, in in ancient Greece... Meekness and humility were not seen as, um, as strengths. <laughs> if you were meek, if you were humble, you were weak. But in Matthew 5, Jesus completely turns that over. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Right? Jesus is saying that, no, you've, you've heard it said this way, but I'm telling you this, that meekness, that humility... An ability to understand you need help is strong, right? Because the Bible is clear. When we are weak, he is strong. The only time you're going to see the strength of God alive in your life is if you're willing to be weak. (laughs) And when you are weak, when you admit your weakness, I promise you, God will help you. 
And then we know that we've received that when we start seeing things in our lives. Instead of just hurtful words flying out of our mouths, we start to see things like purity, like peace, like gentleness, that we are open to reason, that we are full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Remember, we talked about this in the Fruit of the Spirit series, that a life lived by the Spirit of God will produce the fruit of the Spirit, right? You're meek enough, humble enough to ask for help from God. He gives you the wisdom to live this out. Then you will start to act like this. Our words start in our hearts. I want us to look at, and it's going to be on the screen, so you don't have to really turn there necessarily, but Matthew 15, 10 through 20. Matthew 15. It says this, And he, Jesus, called the people to him and said, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then his disciples came to him, and they said, Do you know that? The Pharisees were offended. I just think it's funny. The Pharisees were offended when, you, when they heard this saying. And it, he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. What are you filling your heart with? Whatever you put on a regular basis, whatever you put into your heart is going to come out. That's what defiles you. That's what hurts people. That's what sets the whole course of your life, the direction of your life on fire. The question is, what are you putting in on a regular basis? Remember, it's not just enough to one day. It is enough for salvation, but it's not enough to every day live out Christianity. If you just on one day decide, yes, Jesus is the Lord of my life and I'm saved... God wants us to then live what he says that we are. What are you putting in your heart on a daily basis? And then in John chapter 15, just a few verses here. John chapter 15, verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, and whatever you wish, I will, it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what's the ultimate answer? Our words start in our mouth. But the ultimate answer to how we do this is on a daily basis, we are abiding in Jesus. Like how much time are you seeking Jesus? How much time are you communing with Jesus? What does your life on a daily basis look like? What habits have you built into your life to say, Jesus, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to live that you are Lord of my life. Because if you don't make the choice to abide in Jesus and stay planted in the vine, then this will continually be impossible. You will never tame your tongue. You will never tame the way that you live. You will never be able to... You won't become more like Jesus if you're not spending time with Jesus. How much time are you spending abiding in him? Our words start in our hearts. What's going in will come out. So we're going to take just a moment now to worship.
some more, and we're going to think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And here's the deal. Part of abiding in Jesus is remembering and understanding what he has made you by his death on the cross. The Bible says that he makes all things new. That when you come to Jesus, if you have put your faith in Jesus for salvation, the old has gone and the new has come. He desires a relationship with you. God the Father desires his will for you on a daily basis is that you daily, I say daily a lot because some of us forget that, right? I know for me, I don't do it one day, I feel it, right? Daily, we are spending time with Jesus. Daily, we understand that I am not who I used to be, that I need to pursue God, pursue God, pursue God, pursue God, because the blood of Jesus covers me. And with the power given me in the Holy Spirit of God, I can occupy my street, right? I can be a witness to the world because what comes out of my mouth matches my life. And I will speak life-giving words, not hurtful words. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you have given us. Thank you for what you provide for us on a daily basis, but ultimately thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his blood that covers us. And I pray that as we celebrate that now, as we remember it, that we would remember that he has made us new. And if he has made us new, the old us is gone, God. And we have the freedom and the ability by your spirit to live in the life-giving blood of Jesus on a daily basis. Help us to pursue you. God, we want to remember right now we remember you, Jesus, that you were obedient to death on a cross, that we could be saved. We need you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place this is a struggle. We all struggle. But one thing I want you to remember is that God's grace reigns. Jesus died so that you could mess up and then get back up again and keep going and not sit in your guilt. That's not an excuse to sin. But don't sit in your guilt if you struggle. Ask for God's help. Abide in Jesus and you will be an effective witness for him. You will find joy in this life and freedom. And that's what he wants for you. Let me pray for us one more time. God, I pray that every person in this room would abide in Jesus. That we would be spending time with you, God. And that when we mess up, we would receive your grace and get back up. Your mercies are new every single morning. So we want to pursue you and make the name of Jesus great because you are our king and we serve King Jesus. I pray that the kingdom of God would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we seek you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for being here this week. If you have kids in the nursery, go ahead and get them. One more song is going to play. And if you want to stay and worship, do that. If you need to go and get your kids, do that because I'm long-winded. Um, and so um, just stay and worship if you would like. And you can leave if you would like. We'll see you next week.